This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 44. I'm air drumming as we speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just digging this, uh, digging our theme tune today, I don't know why. I do like the bass. It's got a cracking bass theme, isn't it? It's very cool. Yeah. Just as the intro was there, I was drumming away. I got the cymbal hits in and everything. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining it. I can just imagine. <laughs> How are you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, not bad at all. Thanks. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Sun shining. Are the legs out? The legs are, you, the legs are out. How did you know? <laughs> I could just because the sun's out. Yeah, sun's out. The legs have got to be out. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been really crap weather, isn't it, for the first part of this week? Yeah, but it's, it's turning up the heat. Yeah, here in the UK, we've had just real bad winds and cold and rain and all the rest of it. But now it's um, it's almost like somebody's flicked a switch. Yeah. And it's now very nice and warm and bright. So, going to be out there later. Got loads of gardening to do. Sigh. Well, I'll be getting my legs out later, and then the switch will probably be hit again. Because <laughs> normally, this, normally as soon as I get my legs out, the sun, the sun goes in. So uh, you'll know what's happened. I can blame it goes you. Behind then. a big cloud. Yeah, I can blame you if the sun goes in later. Yeah, oh yeah. Sure. Been up to anything? Um, well, not not a lot. Working hard, of course. And uh, <laughs> he says with a grin. <laughs> I, I've been listening to. I've just finished listening to the big Finnish audio, the Defectors, um, oh, which cool. was the seventh. It's a new one, one of their monthly range. Uh, seventh Doctor and Joe Grant. So that was a really good pairing, I thought, because I love both of those. I love Joe Grant and I like Seventh Doctor. Um, a good audio, uh, but a little bit underwhelming. I have to be honest, because there's I thought okay. there's a lot of potential. I've been really looking forward to this one because. Um, because I loved the thought of the seventh and Joe together, uh, but still good, a good listen. Just I think um, don't know, you know, when there's just something missing, it just fell a little bit flat towards the end. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 but still good, well worth a listen. Yeah, okay. what, what have you been up to? Um, not a lot really. Yeah. Um, it kind of went on who uh, we went a bit who crazy on the run up to the um, symphonic. Uh, uh, yes. So after that, I've just been quite chilled really. I've not really done much. I've taken some time out, so I'm off work at the moment. Yeah. So I'm just chilling and recharging and um, yeah, just watching some, what do I watch? Me and me and the wife watched some Tenant the other night, surprise, surprise. Oh yeah? Um, yeah, I was like, I want to watch some Doctor Who. She's like, as long as it's either this one and this one. I was like, okay, I'll put some Tenant on, don't worry. All oh, right, she's got a <laughs> select episodes that she likes, has she? Yeah, yeah. she's, um, yeah. she absolutely, she, she loves um, Tenant and um, um, Catherine Tate. So, one of her favourite episodes, believe it or not, is Unicorn and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah. She absolutely loves it. She cracks up every time. So do I, since our review, because it was, wasn't one that I particularly loved on a first watch. But uh, when we rewatched it for our review, I, I absolutely loved it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. She also likes uh, Partners in Crime. Is it Partners in Crime with the Adipose? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, I haven't watched that one for ages. Mm, she, she loves that one as well. Mm, need to give that another watch. We do. We, I don't think we have that one on the radar. No, no, we should. We should put it on. Um, although we were talking about this the other day, our schedule's looking pretty packed because obviously yeah. we're assuming the new series will kick off in August. So we'll be doing that. Um, we just kind of pushed a few back that we were going to do. But, yeah. but it's all good because it means we've got plenty of stuff, you know, ahead of us. Yeah, we are packed out until yeah. next year for review stuff. So oh, maybe easily, next year. Yeah. yeah, we'll stick it on there. Mm. Sure. Um, we didn't think we had a lot of news to go through today. We were. It's one of those weeks where just not a lot is happening in the world of Who. So whether that's um, because the BBC aren't really putting out much or there's not much going on in terms of um, new series updates, all that kind of stuff. However, we had a clangor drop this morning. Oh, we did, yeah. Which we're going to come on to, which is awesome. It's kind of... Um, um, yeah, we'll come on to it. But anyway, it was kind of like uh, the gods were listening. 
Yeah, I was. I, was, <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had the same thought actually, and I was a bit worried that there wasn't going to be much news this week. And uh, sometimes I'm glad because we we generally record on Thursday, but sometimes we do a Wednesday or whatever. And uh, it's always really annoying if we record and then a big bit of news. Like if we'd recorded last night and then they'd announced this, I'd have been kicking. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad we're recording today um, to get this bit of news in. But yeah, yeah. Do you want to land it, mate? We'll get into it. Shall we? Shall we land this, baby? Yeah. Let's do it. My alarm clock sound as well. Is it? On my phone, yeah. Oh, that's superb. <laughs> <laughs> news. Slightly, envi- slightly envious. Yeah, news. News, news, news. Um, so first up, uh, this is one, this is really cool. So um, if you guys are into your Lego uh, stuff, this is not the news that we broke um, uh, a few months back now where um, Lego have this scheme, don't they, where uh, I think it's once or twice a year, um, just the general public can design and make suggestions for what they want to see through upcoming Lego sets. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people um, did a, a Doctor Who one, and it was really well received. So I think that's coming this year. I oh, think. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's a standalone Lego set. Um, so that now the Lego company and the BBC have taken it a step further, and we're going to have Doctor Who in a Lego video game. Oh, right, okay. Which is awesome, because um, if you've played the Lego video games before, they are so good. Um, you know, they cover loads of different franchises. There's like Lego Harry Potter, Lego Star Wars, Lego Lord of the Rings. There's loads of cool stuff. Yeah. This one's slightly different. It's kind of going down this trend at the moment that um, a lot of toy, uh, or sorry, um, kids franchise are, are doing at the moment. You've probably seen um, a game called Disney Infinity um, or it, Skylanders, yeah. where basically you get like a physical toy. And then you put that onto some kind of connection mat, and then that physical toy appears in the game. Oh, right. That's Does cool. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the deal with this new uh, Lego game. It's called Lego Dimensions. So what will happen is you'll get a physical Lego figure or a little build or whatever it is. You stick that on the mat, and then you play as that character within the game. Oh, that so, sounds really good. So how cool is that? So you get like That's a little, excellent, yeah. Yeah, little Doctor Who figure. I'm sure it's... Um, from what I've seen from the screenshots and stuff, it's Peter Capaldi. And I'm pretty sure he's with something. I'm not sure if it's like a little TARDIS or something or other. So you you have a physical little Peter Capaldi Lego toy with something, stick it on the mat, and then away you go in the Lego game. And um, there are so many franchises within this game as well. So you could be playing as the Doctor alongside Captain Jack from, not Torchwood, but from Pirates of the Caribbean. Or you could be playing with... Um, a Star Wars character, a Batman character, um, Marty McFly from Back to the Future, whatever you like. Yeah. So it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for this one. It sounds good. And this is going to be, I'm glad to see it's on the PlayStation 4 as well because uh, my parents bought us one of those uh, when it came out and I, I hardly get to use it because I don't really, I'm not much of a gamer, as you know. Yep. So it'd be nice to finally get a game that I'll, uh, <laughs> I can play on it. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Yeah, I've got the PS4 yeah. as well. And I think. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you'll get like a starter pack, I assume. That's what they've done, like when Disney did it and Skyland. You get a starter pack with some figures. But I imagine you'll have to purchase the Doctor Who bit as a separate figure. Yeah. As a separate little thing, but, you know. That that sounds awesome. I I really really like the sound of this. It's not like we're against spending money on Doctor Who stuff. No. After all. No, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fine. (laughs) We never need an excuse to buy more Doctor Who stuff, do we? Yeah. So that's coming out in September. Brilliant, good stuff. From what I understand, is it September? No, sorry. Yeah, September, I think it's yeah. September, yeah. Yeah, end of September, isn't it? Yeah. That's brilliant. Good stuff. Um, in other news, the BBC is being mysterious. Um, very <laughs> mysterious. They keep dropping hints that they're going to announce some big news. And um, they've posted a couple of pictures from episode 10 of, of series 9. So basically, they've, they've, they've got this picture of the script of episode 10 but they've blurred out the title and who's written it um so they're kind of teasing that it's you know it's going to be quite a big announcement because they wouldn't normally sort of do that you know we already know a few people that are are writing for series nine um so who do you reckon it is got any any ideas is it russell unlikely Uh, yeah that's unlikely isn't it it's russell because um 
didn't he go on records, you know, in between, I think when series eight finished, somebody interviewed him and he went on record to say that he wouldn't, he wouldn't come back. I don't believe him, <laughs> but I don't f- think it's him. <laughs> no, yeah, well, he was quite, he was quite firm about that. Mm. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't think it's Russell, but um, no, I honestly not. have no clue. Um, and it's strange that they've blurred. I mean, I can understand them blowing out the title because maybe that could contain a, a potential spoiler for something. I'm not sure, but why would they blow out the writer? I'm really not sure on mm. that one. I hope it's I hope it's um, worth the sort of build up. Joe. I mean, I hope it is somebody that you're going to be like, you know, um, wow, like you know, somebody really good or somebody that hasn't written like Paul Cornell. If it was like Paul Cornell, you'd be like, oh, really? Wow, you know, something that's going to get a good reaction. I hope. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I hope mm. so. Bit of string uh, chin stroking going on on that one. Yeah, they also put a picture of Jenna Coleman's sort of. Where, I don't know. It's, well, it looks like it's in a hotel room, doesn't it? It's just a picture of her name on a piece of paper. Yeah. Is that just to let us know she's still around for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for just so uh, she's hanging on. Yeah, she's <laughs> hanging on in there. Yeah. Um, and they maybe also, she's yeah, written it. <laughs> they've also posted this um, this other little snippet, haven't they? Um, which says, uh, so they posted those pictures and it said, we'll have more big news for you soon, uh, both about the ongoing production of the new series and the broader world of Doctor Who. Yeah, that is intriguing, actually. hmm. What do they mean by that? Yeah, because this was posted, I think it was last week, early last week. Uh, Sorry, no, late last week. And um, they finished off by saying, as the Doctor himself might say, uh, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? So... Mm. I, I don't know. I, I sense that something big is coming, um, but I'm not. I honestly can't put my finger on what it could be. The only two things that's kind of uh, going around my head at the moment is it's either a, an announcement about a film, because this alludes to mm. uh, an announcement about something to do with on screen, because it says about the ongoing production and stuff like that, yeah. or they're moving production out of Wales Ooh, somewhere. No. So. I'm not sure. They're the only two things that I've got going around my head. Yeah, I I um I did think movie, you know, I thought, well, it's kind of been banded around quite a bit. Um it could be New Companion, um, which might tie in with the Jenna Coleman picture they've put. Um do you know what I mean? Maybe they're gonna announce the new companion because I I do get the feeling she's gonna leave <clears throat> after this series. You think so? So maybe it's that, because that's to do with production. I'm not sure. But that mm. could be what that could be it. Yeah. When are they going to tell us? <laughs> yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? So, yeah, not sure on, on what's happening in that. The, the only thing that we can we can sort of take out of the equation is the next bit of news. Oh, which is just wow. Which is which is big wow. So, yeah. you may if you listen to last week's episode, so back in yeah, so episode 43, we kind of had this little rant, didn't we? Yeah, you know, big rant, yeah. yeah. Because we were talking about um, uh, Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman, the Moth, and some other people um, have been announced that they're going to appear at San Diego Comic Con. And then we got onto the subject of um, other stars from Who, so David Tennant, and Billy Piper, and all these other people um, who go over to America to do these big conventions. And we were like, look, you know, this is all great. You know, it's you know, it's it's awesome that Who is international and they can go to these things. It's really great. However, we would like some of that stuff to happen here, in the UK. And as I said earlier, it's almost as if the gods were listening. Yeah, it's good to know the BBC listen to our podcast, isn't it? <laughs> they, yeah, because we have been saying for a while now. You know, if you're listening, BBC, you should do this, and they obviously are. So, yeah. Thumbs up. Anyways, um, news this morning broken officially from the BBC, that there's going to be a big UK convention in November. Yeah, it's interesting they've called it Doc 2 Festival, isn't it? Festival always makes me think of sort of hippies and, <laughs> and uh, you know, far out, man. But yeah, yeah man. Doctor, they've actually called it the Doctor Who Festival sure, um, rather than convention, but that's cool. Um, yeah, 13th to the 15th of November this year. Uh, London XL again, obviously that's where they had the 50th, so a bit of a favourite for them. Um, and yeah, I mean... It, I, I'm, uh, this has come out of nowhere, isn't it? Really, I'm really when when I saw this this morning, I was like, really, wow! I'm actually quite excited about it. Um, it seems like they've tried to aim it at everyone, which is good because initially I thought it was aimed at sort of uh, 
very much at the younger audience because there's lots right. of sort of workshops and things, isn't there? Um, so there's lots of stuff for sort of younger people to do, drama school and all this sort of thing. But um, but also there's going to be like photo opportunities, um, cosplay showcase, production village. What's that? Your chance to explore a day in the life of the production team. So there's, there's loads of good stuff at this, isn't there? Some really good stuff, yeah. And, the fan uh, challenge. This sounds good. Test your Doctor knowledge in the festival's specially themed fan challenges. Oh, my word. Blimey. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. Me too. As I'm sure you are, mate. And... Um, it's it's almost like um, it's almost like they're ploughing like so much good stuff into one event, as opposed to just spreading it out where you've got maybe Capaldi and Coleman at one convention and then somebody shows up at another one. They're kind of throwing all their eggs into one basket, which is cool because mm. that way the entire experience is all Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. So um, as you said, you get to meet the cast. There's going to be like panel sessions. You can. Uh, meet the writers as well. Stephen Moffat's going to be there, some other people. Capaldi's um, going to be there, isn't he? Capaldi's there, yeah. He's, he's there, which is brilliant. Yep. Yeah, hopefully he's there for all all three days. Is it three? 30, three days, yeah. yeah. three days, yeah. Hopefully he's there for all three. Yeah, uh, Jenna Coleman will be there. Um, yeah, and one thing that's cool is um, like the interactive part of it. So mm. you can get to interact with all the costumes and props and have your photo taken. Um, like you say, the drama school sounds cool. Yeah. So, um, he just says, have you wanted to know the techniques and secrets that actors learn from filming on Doctor Who and all that kind of stuff? Um, and of course, mate, there's going to be loads of merchandise. So yeah, of course, yeah. We'll be knee deep in Doctor <laughs> Who merchandise, which is cool. So excellent news. Doctor yeah. Who convention, i.e. a festival, um, coming to London November. So tickets go on sale. Um, if you're listening to this on launch day, which will be Friday the 5th of June, which is my birthday, by the way. So, yay. Ah, yay. Which would be a good present. Um, tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. Um, so if you just head over to uh, DoctorWhoFestival.com, there's a link there to buy tickets. Um, and it's running, yeah, so Friday the 13th through to Sunday the 15th. I mean, just realised that's Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. lucky for some. Um, yeah, this sounds really good. Does it? I've been trying to find out what the sort of cost of the tickets are, but I can't see it. It doesn't look like they've announced the price yet, does it? No, there's no prices yet. No, um, no. But there is two slots, two types of ticket you can buy. Um, you can buy a Dalek ticket or a Cyberman ticket. And the only difference is, um, is the different times that you get to go into um, the theatre sessions. So if you buy a Cyberman ticket, you go straight in at 10 a.m., and then you oh. do all the other stuff afterwards. If you buy a Dalek ticket, then you don't go in until 11.15. So you get a chance to do a bit of stuff before. Oh, that's cool. I see they've got the Series 9 set there as well. Is that the TARDIS set? Uh, that'd be good. We'll have to get a photo on there, won't we? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. This sounds great. I'm really excited. I just hope the, uh, well, the internet will go into meltdown. It always does for these things. But yeah, definitely got to get a ticket for this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll stick a note as well, but I'm sure you won't. Well, sorry, we'll stick a link in the show notes, but I'm sure you won't need that. Just go to doctorwhofestival.com. Fantastic. 10 a.m. from the fair. Fantastic. Fantastic. So that's the news. Mm, some good news. Some good news. Um, Adam. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to review this week? Uh, this week we are revisiting the fourth Doctor adventure, City of Death. Hello there. How very curious. Two thieves enter the Louvre gallery and come out with a bracelet. <laughs> Couldn't you think of anything more interesting to steal? Well, I just thought it was awfully pretty. You know, a terribly unusual design. Of course, it would have been much nicer to have stolen one of the pictures, but I've tried that before and all sorts of alarms go off, which disturbs the concentration. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. So you stole the bracelet simply because it's pretty? Yes. Well, I think it is, don't you? Uh, my dear, I don't think he's as stupid as he seems. My dear, nobody could be as stupid as he seems. Oh. This interview is at an end. Good. Well, we'll be off a quick stagger up the Champs-Élysées, perhaps a bite at Maxim's. What do you think, Romana? Well, I think a rather better idea would be if Hammond were to lock you into the cellar. I should hate to lose contact with such fascinating people. Ah, oh, Duggan, what are you doing, for heaven's sake? That's a Louis Cairns. I am not going to let Just behave like a civilised guest. I do beg your pardon, Count. Thank you. Now, Herman, if you'd just be kind enough to show us to our cellar, we'd be terribly grateful. Do we have a long, good chat? 
What great a wonderful stuff. scene. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. And there's so many wonderful scenes in this this episode. There yeah. is. Yeah. First time you've watched it, isn't it? It is the first time, yeah. Uh, and um, just before we sort of get into it, just just give me your overall initial thought. What did you think when you finished watching it? Overall, when I finished watching it, I wasn't impressed, mate. No, rubbish. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get everybody in unison listening mm. to be like, what the beep? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this was a belter. Isn't it just? What a fa- I'll tell you what, what a fantastic um classic story this one it's a belter it is i I must admit i know we've sort of picked a few we've tried to pick a few stories the sort of least popular or the ones that will give us most discussion Mm because they're either they're a bit marmite and stuff and i know this one is uh pretty much um universally loved i mean it's really highly regarded story but i am glad we did it because i watched this yesterday it was just a joy to watch. And I have seen it a few times. Uh, admittedly, I haven't watched it for a while. Um, I just loved it. I, I really do love the story. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I don't know, it's one of those, it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, mm. if that makes sense. Because right from the off, it's got this really cool setting. You can tell that they've ploughed plenty of you know effort and money into getting getting those guys into a good location and it's a beautiful setting and the the story's good the effects are pretty good from yeah. what there are there aren't a lot of effects in this one but the effects are good tom baker is brilliant i think he's this. absolutely on fire in it isn't he? he's yeah. really firing on all cylinders yeah he's brilliant in it yeah um uh, romana's good yeah she is yeah uh the bad guys are good um location's good yeah i think yeah i mean okay let's break it down so before we get on to that so this was back in 79 yeah 79 yeah a four part i say one of those really nice length Mm. uh, 25 minutes each and um this is douglas adams script yeah i always assumed um he wrote it it was only when i watched the sort of i watched the special features afterwards yesterday um i didn't realize there was such a complicated writing process to it because it's kind of I always just assumed it was Douglas Adams yeah. uh, under under a pseudonym, but it was like sort of initial idea was uh, David Fisher, um, and then Douglas Adams pretty much took some of his elements and completely rewrote it with the help of Graham Williams. So it was a bit of a sort of joint effort. I, I just always assumed it was a complete Dougie Adams, but yeah, I mean, Me I think it, the, yeah. and it, most of it is. I think it's you know ninety ninety five percent him, but yeah. yeah, you can tell as well. It's it's oh, quite yes. funny throughout. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so a great script from from Dougie and David Fisher and Graham Williams, but um, Michael Hayes as well is a really good director. I thought it was brilliantly directed. I have yeah. to say, really did it just yeah, really well directed. Yeah. Um, so story wise, um, like most of the good Doctor Who stories that we've reviewed, it's um, it's not overly complicated. Um, it's essentially a um, uh, an alien who's got splintered throughout time trying to escape in his in his spaceship um and the, he's trying to um, build a time machine effectively isn't he so he can go back in time mm. to stop himself from um blowing up his ship and splintering himself throughout time um and he does this by way of becoming very wealthy um over the years so he's hired this like genius einsteiny type uh, professor to build him a time machine. Oh, the professor! Um, yeah, yeah, which is kind of going okay. You've made good progress, but then the doctor turns up, obviously, because um, I think as they're testing this machine, uh, the doctor and Romana can feel like these little splinters in time. That's right. Little bits repeat themselves. So once again, the doctor's got his sensible head on. He knows something isn't right. Investigates. Um, very amusingly, gets captured, um, and then we're off into the rest of the story. So. Um, and I, I'll come on to it a little bit later, but I kind of have a little bit of uh, felt a little bit sorry for the for the bad guy in this. I'm not sure he's that bad, really, but mm, um, Scaroff, Scaroff, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> love it, yeah. So that's the story. So, what what did you think to how this kind of kicks off? You know, it's it's very or uh, it's very um, picturesque throughout Paris, mm. and you know, and then um, we're we're straight into it. I was wondering actually watching it yesterday because I in my head I always think it starts with the shot of the other tower and I always forget that we've got the 
the scene with Scaroff in the spaceship at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember, the, you know, when I first watched this many, many years ago on VHS, I remember thinking about the gloves. Because <laughs> you could sort of see that the costume's not fit properly. And I was thinking, <laughs> obviously knowing that it was your first time watching, I was thinking, now what is Gary going to be thinking in these opening few minutes with this <laughs> sort of, you know, this funny monster with an eye in the middle of its head with badly fitted gloves on this set that's really overlit. I mean, I think it's brilliant, but I was just thinking now this is not going to know what's coming you know after this no, uh, and I then obviously that. we're into paris oh i do yeah i do as well i love the spaceship and the fact that the thing that he's in looks nothing like the spaceship they've just shown as well but, <laughs> and then we go into um paris and there's something really great about seeing them on real locate on a real location like you sort of get the feeling that the doctor and man are just having a little break and, yeah. and it's just sort of wandering around, having a nice time. And the interaction between the two is brilliant, isn't it? It's like really they're really, yeah. really, I don't know, they just felt like there's, the, uh, there's a bit, isn't there, where he's saying, What Paris has, it has. And she's saying, A bouquet. And they keep going, and that just the way that they interact and deliver the lines together is just really great. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact, you know, you're saying about the splintering. Um, of Scarif gets splintered through time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like the fact that we don't find out that until later on. Do you know what I mean? It's really well sort of paced, I thought, in the fact that we sort of, we get bits of the storyline and we think we know what's going on. And it's only sort of midway through that we find out really what he's trying to do and that he's actually fractured through time. And then, like you said, that then adds a spin on it because then you sort of think, well, I can kind of understand him now and you know he's not really all that bad he just wants to well he's sort of bad but you know he's not he's got a reason for doing what he's doing sort of thing yeah you know? and i like the fact we don't find that out straight away you know this sort of unravels slowly but um but in a, in a really well it's really well paced if, if you know what i mean yeah yeah and uh to touch on the location thing the um mm. you can tell that they were getting their money's worth as well because they include <laughs> all the all the sightseeing stops and Oh yeah, yeah. So they're probably like, well, if you're going to go to Paris, you need to get all the, all the all the big sites in. Otherwise, we're not going to pay for it. <laughs> so right. and they they do a pretty good job, don't they? And they do. Yeah, they they nip around. And it's quite funny as well because um, I I found that there were two types of 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 extras in this uh, story, which made me laugh because you had the first you had the first lot of extras who didn't know they were extras. Um, which is hard to explain because like when they're riding the subway and all that stuff you've got all these just the general public yeah um, and I'm thinking that maybe the director said like oh we're just shooting a quick scene whatever try not to look at the camera or something but there's a few people that just stare right into the camera especially know, yeah. on the on the underground train and stuff and yeah. um, and then you go to like these other scenes where uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's a set or it was shot inside a cafe in Paris I'm not 100% sure but they've got these extras who are like in the black and white stripy tops with the berets oh like yeah stereotypical um they don't Parisian. speak do they yeah. yeah don't get any lines but they just stare mm. at the doctor and romana the whole time that they're doing these scenes yeah so you've got the director thinking i can't handle this uh, i've There's... got i'm out on location and i've got people in general public pretty much doing as they're told and now I'm in. I'm on set with extras, like proper extra actors, and they're just staring at the. They're just staring at Tom Baker the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I noticed that. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I know um, it's quite a lot of the time. There's people just watching them, like when he's running down the street. It's just <laughs> people looking like, "What's going on?" Yeah. Um, I yeah, found it hilarious. I, yeah. I did. So I, I. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean, I, I, I can only excuse it by sort of saying, "Well, they're probably just thinking because he's running through the street." But yeah, I noticed the woman on the train looking straight at the camera. Um, and it sounds like, well, watching the, the extras yesterday, it sounds like a lot of the places that they had sort of arranged to film at when they arrived there was shut because it was like a Maybank holiday. Right. Um, and so they had a, it was quite a sort of troubled shoot in many ways. So they had to sort of improvise. And I wonder if that's why. I wonder if they sort of got to the location and were like, oh, we can't film here. Well, let's go and just do it down the road or, you know. <laughs> so that, that could be why. And apparently Tom Baker set the alarm off in in the Louvre or one of the art galleries. He when he rattled us the door oh, he right, set yeah. the alarm yeah. off and they were they just sort of said right we've got to go down the road and film the next scene now so they, they just sort of left one of the production to sort of explain why the alarm was going off on this closed gallery and stuff so yeah it's it's, it's great though i just i love seeing them in paris like you yeah. said they get in every sort of landmark and they it's have to dodge um busy 
Paris traffic as well. Mm, yeah, so you, I'm, I'm taking you've been to France. Yes, the drive, the driving over there really is scary, isn't it? I mean, I, I love, I've been there a few times. I love Paris, but the driving is scary, isn't it? It's terrible. It's really yeah. bad, and you can see, um, uh, you can see Tom uh, and Lala uh, just running like in between cars. They're not like um, it's not like these the people driving the cars are part of the production. That's like real live traffic. Yeah, exactly. And they're yeah. weaving in and out. I was like, oh, my God. This um, is what I love about shows from like the sort of seven, around the 70s. That it's, it's got a real, it's got a more real feel to it. Like I said, you know that those people are real and okay, mm-hmm. yeah, they're watching and looking at the camera. But it gives it a real, you feel like they're really on the streets doing it. And it gives it a, a more realistic edge. Yeah. Because uh, I noticed that in a lot of old programs, like I love the Sweeney and Minder. And you very often see them walking down the street and people are clearly just looking and staring and watching. But I, I, I really like it. I think it gives it a realistic sort of touch. Yeah, it's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think this was the first time that they'd done this outside of the UK, right? For, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, the first time. Oh, I wonder where the, when they went after this then. Because I think for a, quite a few of the stories after this, they didn't go anywhere um, outside the UK for a while. No, no, I don't think they did. In fact, the, the next story, uh, Creature from the Pit, from what I remember, is very studio bound. Um, yeah, I think the story before Destiny. That's that's in this. <laughs> that is very much the typical Quarry Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, Destiny yeah. Daleks. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't think they. You know, it's probably quite nice for them to go from the Quarry to to Paris. Yeah, it's um, it's a great backdrop. They could have gone anywhere. They could have gone to London, mm. you know, wherever. But so, very very cool that they that they were in Paris for that. Um, right, characters. Uh, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about um, Scaroth. Scaroth, brilliant, yeah. Let's talk about him because he was quite, um, I had him, I kind of misunderstood, not misunderstood, but I kind of um, had him pinned as a completely different character when I first saw him in the first few scenes. As the Count? Yeah. Or because, as the, yeah. Yeah, as the Count because I can't, in those first... I don't know, two or three scenes. I kind of had him down as a, like a James Bond villain type of guy. All right, yeah. You know, yeah. I thought he had aspirations of like world domination or world destruction or something like that. Um, and as the as the stories go on, and you're you know you're seeing what what's happening to him, you kind of realise that he's actually done some good things, hasn't he? Like over the, mm. I think how many years was he splintered across time? Was it like 400 odd years? 400, I or think, something? yeah. yeah. And um, so over that time, he's actually, you know, taken, you know, a lot of civilizations and nurtured them into doing these really great things. Yeah. So you kind of then realise in the modern day time that he's responsible for a lot of the cool greatness, I guess, that the that these civilizations have done. That's right. He's been trying to speed speed things yeah. up, hasn't he, over time to sort of get where he is um, in the in the present day. Um, right. I, I love uh, Julian Glover. I love his performance. Mm-hmm. Don't you? I just he's really smooth. Um, I don't know. He manages to deliver the lines in a sort of comical way, but without being over the top. I don't know. Do, do you know what I mean? He's just I just love the performance he gives. Yeah. Um, as as um, the count. Uh, and as Captain Tancredi, I love that scene. Oh yeah, when that's the doctor very cool. goes back yeah. um, to, to uh, goes back and meets him as Captain Tancredi. Uh, that's just a brilliant. That whole scene. Is that episode two uh, with the thumb screws and all that business? It's brilliant. It's episode three, I think. Episode three. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, he looks really good as well. They've done a decent job with the wig and the makeup and stuff. Yeah, he looks very cool. Um, but you're right. There is like a touch of um, there's like a a touch of theatre about him. He's got the way he delivers his lines and his performance is very, um, uh, like you say, it's almost, it's, it's quite comical in a way. Um, but yeah, he's it, definitely, I, I imagine that um, uh, Julian Glover did a lot of theatre work because yeah, I, I get did, that vibe yeah. from him. Yeah. Um, and then obviously as we get further on, we realise that, yeah, he's not really a bad guy. He's Although he has a lot of people killed, Mm. Um, I think his his reasons for doing all that stuff is just although it's very selfish, it's it's not like he wants to inflict mass pain or anything like that. He doesn't want to destroy the universe or kill the Doctor or anything like that. Like we've seen in a lot of um, Who stories, where um, 
the the alien or the monster at that time um, doesn't want to do anything else other than just death and destruction and stuff. Yeah. So although by him going back in time and actually preventing himself from blowing up his ship, um, that would have an impact on the human race because they wouldn't then... Um, they wouldn't get created, is that right? That's right, yeah, because yeah. I think when the Doctor goes back in time, um, there isn't any life. I think it's like four... I think There's like a swamp or something. He says this all sort of, you know, this will evolve. That's um, right, yeah. It's got yeah. like like the like microorganisms and stuff that, you know, evolve into life and stuff like that. So I think that was yeah. triggered by the radiation from his ship blowing up. That's right, yeah. Yes, Which is right, a, yeah. It's a nice idea. It's yeah. very cool, yeah. yeah. So you realise that he just wants to, you know, get back in time to prevent all that happening. But at the same time, that would have obviously huge impact on the human race so it's quite like a it's kind of like which side of the fence do you do you sit on do you see him as a typical bad guy who wants to do bad things or is he you know a bad guy but his reasons aren't you know oh, i know what you mean I, and i like i like that because it gives it a, another dimension and i suppose there's um yeah because he's not all bad but that you know he does have his moments like there's a bit where because i love the interaction <laughs> between him and um the countess uh, oh yeah and um there's a bit where he's just about to leave and he's like um i must just go and say goodbye to the counter he's like he's just killed a few people not bothered about that but it's like <laughs> he must go and say goodbye and i think why would he He'd just go but you know he must say goodbye to the countess um and then she's discovered that he's actually an alien although how she hasn't realized um you know since they've been married i don't know but um they must and not then, be, so um... then he kills her <laughs> and i think oh so he's he's not all good, but he's not all bad. He does, you know, he does he does sort of kill people at a whim. Because I was thinking he didn't really need to kill her, but it did it did make me laugh. He's like, "Hello, my dear. Oh, you've discovered I'm an alien. You better die then. Yeah. You know, even though I'm just about to disappear and wipe you all out." <laughs> yeah, I thought that. Um, that's why at first I thought that he was a typical, um, a typically written bad guy because mm. when those two, um, those two thugs as the doctor calls them mm. um uh, kind of uh, captures them at the cafe and then brings them to to his mansion um they've delivered the doctor and romana and um duggan who's a really good character oh, come on to, yeah. yeah they deliver those guys there and he's kind of like yeah you know your work's done sort of thing and as they leave the room he's like have them killed yeah that's right yeah i was thinking what what did they do yeah i think whoa whoa, whoa hold on They've just yeah. they've just done you a favour anyway. So at that at those points there early on, I thought, yeah, this guy's he's a he's a typical bad a dude. Bad yeah. yeah, but then you know as the story goes on, you realise he's just selfishly trying to uh, uh, not get himself blown to to crap across time. But yeah, he's a great character though. And what do you think of the mask, like the green? There's a cup. There was one scene where he's taken off his human mask. Yes, and uh, <laughs> as he takes the human mask off, which is obviously some latex rubber or whatever. The, the green slimy mask underneath lifts that, up that also lifts up and it's got a big <laughs> wobble and stuff on it and yeah. uh, you know, that's very cool it's one of those times where you just think that's just so that's very cool I bet yeah because I, I can imagine I just thought I bet they've done that over and over again and just thought you know what that'll have to do <laughs> but no. I, I, actually, I actually quite like the mask it's very simple it's just like a a bag of screen big green spaghetti with an eyeball in the middle isn't it basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it kind of works i look i mean when he's it's just the fact he's so smart underneath as well because he's got his white suit and his cravat and then this great big <laughs> horrible face yeah, and yeah. it's just it just makes me laugh and i love the bit as well and it, it shouldn't make me laugh but it does is when she unravels the scroll with all the egyptian stuff and then right at the end there's just that big green monster Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Of him, yeah. That just made me laugh as well. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like you said, how did she not know? How did she not know? They obviously weren't very. Um, they weren't <clears throat> intimate of it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, Because yeah. I'm assuming that underneath the suit, he was all like green and slimy. Or yeah. it can't be just. It can't be have a human body with just the green head like that. <laughs> it doesn't so, bear thinking about, does it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. So anyway, um, Duggan. Duggan, yeah, Duggan. The, uh, what's uh, the actor's name? Tom Chadbon. Tom Chadbon, yeah. Chadbon, um, yeah. The, uh, the guy that can't stop thumping people. I love that end line. And I, I don't know if it's... Um, it does say on the commentary or on the text notes that it was Tom Baker's 
improvised it at the time. But okay. that's a brilliant line where he says, Duggan, I think that's the most important punch in history. Oh, and I cool. love that yeah. because he has punched about four people up to now, and each time the doctor's told him off. So I love the fact that the last punch is actually needed and is, you know, and the doctor delivers that line. It kind of brings it full circle. So if Tom did improvise that line, I'm glad he did because I think it's just a real great way of of bringing that full circle sort of thing. Because I like yeah. Duggan, don't you? He's fun. He's, he's very he's cool. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, he, um, I like. Yeah, I do like the fact that the Doctor keeps telling him off. Yeah, that, that's really funny. Where the, he he gives a few slaps, and the Doctor's like, "What are you doing?" And the funniest one for me was when he knocks the Professor out, <laughs> and the Professor's not done anything to him. He's no. not doing anything at the time. He's just having a conversation with the doctor. And all of a sudden, he just gets walloped. I feel Duggan. really sorry for that professor. He's not allowed to sleep. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's forced to make all these machines. He gets knocked out for doing nothing. He tries to help people. Oh, just that poor professor. And then he gets um, sort of eva- what happened? He gets evaporated, doesn't he? He turns into like a skeleton. Yeah, his <laughs> timeline gets accelerated, doesn't he? So he goes like really old sort of skeleton basically in like 10 this seconds poor old professor he really does go through the ringer in this story didn't he Kerensky. he was played pretty well though david graham yeah he's sort of playing the sort of slightly nutty professor yeah he does a yeah, good no, does a good job very good yeah um and what did you think to um there wasn't much of a support cast um you had the the butler guy a wonderful but now what does he say there's a classic line isn't he about the butler he's so violent he's so violent yeah yeah um yeah no the supporting cast are great but i think what is good about the story is that all the main cast they just really gel so well don't they i mean i love to see like that clip that you played in you know the scene with tom and i almost wish we'd got a bit more of the doctor and julian glover because i just love it when they're in the same same scene together um i think all the cast are great actually the the countess um the counts uh, and like you said about Tom and Lala as well, because obviously because Tom and Lala in real life were sort of involved around this time, they could be very, I don't know, sometimes it, it showed on screen that they weren't getting on. I mean, in some stories, Tom won't even look at Lala. Yeah. He, he can be, he could be, you know, you could see, you, you can almost feel the tension through the, through the screen. But in this story, they are brilliant together. Um, I, I just, just love that doctor companion relationship because it's um somebody said it was a bit sort of flirtatious and they are almost like a couple in this aren't they almost yeah yeah they're sort of almost like a couple on holiday but there's they just get the line just right there's not you know you never get the feeling that there's any sort of um anything going on towards them it's not a sort of doctor and rose relationship but you do get the feeling that they're very close and yeah i suppose it's because they're both time lords and stuff they're just sort of having a break so yeah i love tom and lala this i think it's one of the best stories with them together because in some stories they just i don't know i think their personal life just overran into the show a bit um but they seem brilliant here i actually think considering how great tom baker is in this story i was quite surprised to see on the dvd they've got some raw studio footage I don't know if you've watched it. I um, haven't seen this one. Some behind no. the scenes, and Tom is really, oh, he's quite, he's quite um, angry and aggressive, and it really surprised me considering the brilliant performance he's given, you know, in this episode. Because okay. I knew, I know he can be. I know he, towards the end he got very difficult and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are scenes like you know the the, the torture scene we were talking about earlier. What a brilliant scene that is, <laughs> where he's at Leonardo da Vinci's, and it's really well done, isn't it? And then I was watching the sort of studio footage of it and they can't get the thumb screws to work and Tom's effing and blinding and like, you know, thumb screws don't work. <laughs> he's really going mad. And there's, yeah, um, I think there's a bit in the prison as well where he, he's like, let's get this scene done. He's really shouting and they zoom in on Lala who looks mortified. And it's just really <laughs> bizarre to see all this tension behind the scenes when, when you watch the episode because it's just, but maybe that's why it's so good. You know, it's just such a brilliantly fun episode to watch. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't get that vibe that anything was going on, like, no. you know, um, kind of negatively behind the scenes, because it's also well acted, this one. Yeah, yeah. So and Julian Glover comes across quite well on the behind the scenes bit. I mean, there's quite a lot of bits going wrong, because his stuff uh, for the time is quite technical, isn't it? You know, like yeah. you said about the mask and that. And he seems to be quite laid back when stuff goes wrong, you know. Um, yeah, it's worth watching that, that studio footage, because it does give you a bit of an insight into what was going on. You know, okay. surprising you know sort of not what you'd expect i suppose um, yeah and we had a little cameo didn't we 
John Cleese. Oh, brilliant cameo, yeah. Yeah, which is weird because he doesn't, he wasn't really a typical John Cleese character in this. It's almost like he wasn't doing a character at all. He was just being himself. Yeah, it's just another one of those brilliant tiny little scenes that this mm-hmm. this this story is full of, isn't it? It's just another wonderful little short moment, and it's there's no reason for it to be there, but it's there, and yeah. it's it's great. Uh, I, I, what's the lady's name? She's one of those that I know from lots of things, but Eleanor, don't really know Eleanor, Eleanor Bron. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, it's a really nice little scene of them just looking at the TARDIS. Love the fact that TARDIS is in um an art gallery as well. Like, what a brilliant place to land it and for it not to be, you know, noticed <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And like you say, this, um, each of these four episodes is littered with just brilliant scenes oh, that just yeah, make so up a, a great story. It's very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, all the all the stuff with the Mona Lisa and him writing this is a fake and the thumbscrew with the I refuse to be tortured by someone with cold hands. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The violent butler. Uh, there's, yeah, there's just so many great little bits in it. Yeah, it's brilliant. I was wondering if you're going to watch it with um, with your other half, actually, because it's one of those stories people say if you know, like people aren't really into Doctor Who, but you know, you want to get into watching. I said it's a good one to watch because it's got lots of humour in it. And I think it is a good story for you know if you're sort of trying to get someone into Who, or if you want just to put one on and say, oh, this is a good one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, just me on my onesie. Yeah. Not in a onesie on my on my, on my own. <laughs> Actually, for a review of episode, yeah, I always think it's best to watch them on your own because you always it's always different when you watch something with someone, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you love something and then you watch it with someone, you always notice the bad things in it, don't you? <laughs> it's never the same when you watch it with someone else. I always watch the review episode on my own. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Unless it's one that I know that that the missus will really, really, really enjoy. So yeah, I just watch it on my uh, on the sofa with the biscuits and a cup of tea. It's all good. <laughs> Same as me with my little trusty Who notepad, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, what did, What did you think? Were you a bit miffed by um, Lala's schoolgirl costume? Were you a bit like, what is she wearing? Because um, it kind of suits her. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it kind of suits her. Really, I just thought. It does. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Why have you got Have you got issues with that, buddy? No, no, I was just when I was reading through it, because I, I remember first time I watched it, just thinking it's a very unusual, because she's normally dressed, like in the in Destiny Diets before this, she's sort of dressed in a outfit that mirrors the Doctor's, and her costumes can be quite sort of um, outlandish, and right. apparently Lala actually chose, chose that costume herself for this one, they had a, a silver cat suit was actually what she was going to be wearing in it, and she's told the designer, because Lala's a very strong personality in real life, let me tell you. Right. I've met her a couple of times, and um, I can just imagine her saying, I'm not wearing that, because apparently this is what happened. She said, no, I'm not wearing that. And she <laughs> designed, So Lala designed this sort of schoolgirl costume because she, um, she thought that there'd be lots of schoolgirls out there that hated wearing that, and this might encourage them to wear it. That's apparently why she's she's in it. So I see. No, no I right. think I think she carries it off. I think she looks fine. Yeah, and I love right. Tom's. Tom's got a slight variation, hasn't he? He's got this weird paint badge on, which I kind of like. I don't know if we see it. Oh, the paint that often paint yeah. tubes and on his thing. Yeah. Yeah, and this sort of grey grey coat. Yeah, 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 I like it. Yeah, it's cool. I can say because Romana, she's normally got a long scarf on, doesn't she? And yeah, she, she could be. Yeah, yeah the costumes do vary quite a bit. That's very but, cool. Uh, but I like Lala. I've, I've, I've um, yeah, I've met her a couple of times, and I first time I met her, I did think she's a bit abrupt. I thought, oh gosh, not sure about her. But the more I've met her, the more I like her. I just think she's very, she knows her own mind, Lala Ward, and I, I can see, I can see that in what she sort of does with the character Romana. She's very strong, isn't she? And yeah. I love the fact that she actually does stuff in this. She's not just because um, some episodes she's just wandering around, nothing to do. But in this one, she's sort of using her mind, quite brain, quite a bit, and she and sort of. Mm-hmm. working things out and, and I like that yeah, yeah and she like, has to like, construct a, um, a stabiliser she does it very quickly I was thinking this poor old <laughs> professor been working down there with no food for months and she does it in about five minutes yeah oh, we also, we had the classic line as well what was uh, that with the doctor um, he reverses the polarity oh yeah yeah we did I, yeah. and I was really surprised because I was thinking How did, I did, didn't remember that being in there at all yeah yeah the classic reverse the polarity line yeah sure um, there was one thing that I wanted to see more of. Oh yeah, and I wanted to see more of the um, more of the Count's other selves. Oh right, throughout okay. time because I understand that because the Doctor did say how many of you um, were splintered across time, and I think he mm. said seven or eight 
Yeah. Something like that. And I was wondering at, at the end as well, because obviously he when he comes back to modern day Earth and the butler doesn't recognise him because he's obviously got hasn't got his human face on. So he kills him. And I was thinking, does that mean what about the other sort of splinter cells of him? Do you know what I mean? Are they still yeah. out there? Do you think? Well, that's that's what I'm. That's what I mean. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to see, you know, some of his other selves throughout time. Because I think there's a scene where um, there's like this old effect where it's like morphing faces onto one another, and it's like an Egyptian version. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. um, a Viking or an old England version, and something else. It would have been cool to uh, to, to visit. I know there wasn't. There's only so much you can do with like time and budget and stuff, but it would have been cool to see to see his other selves. But no, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, just one other thing: what did you think of the music in this? Because I've always loved it. I always think it works really, really well. Um, but I just wondered what you thought of it. I liked it at first. Mm. <laughs> um, I thought they overused. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I thought it was quite cool though. It fit the fit the story at this. Don't know. This kind of it was cool. It's a cool vibe to the, the music, but don't know. I think it was slightly overused. They they played that like every three or four minutes. They had that that main, I, that main hook playing. But yeah, I love the bit with the countess. It's almost like a sort of porn star porn film saxophone, isn't it? And <laughs> love that. Um, I actually I, I was quite surprised when they released the that silver screen box set with all the music. Supposed to be a comprehensive. Um, set with all the music too. I was really gutted there wasn't anything from this on there because I do love it. I just think it works brilliantly mm. with the series. So I, I I tweeted Mark Ayres and asked him, "What? Why is there no City of Death music on on here? You, you know the myths that I mean, yeah." yeah. And uh, he said it's because um, it doesn't exist in the archives. He's like, "We don't. There's no sort of master for it, so we couldn't include any." Oh, which so I find well. odd because in this day and age, there must be a way. Of lifting that soundtrack. I mean, I know it's not, you know, it's, it's for the completest or whatever, but there must be a way of getting that that music off in this day and age, surely. Yeah, they should. Well, yeah. I imagine the because um, uh, the composer Dudley Simpson. Yeah, um, I would imagine that he would have it in his own archive somewhere because he's done bucket loads of. Classic oh yeah. Here. Yeah, he was. Um, he was like the the uh, the Murray Gold of Doctor Who back then, wasn't he? he did yeah. loads of. I think it was like from sixty nineteen sixty five or something, right through to to nineteen eighty. He's done loads, so you'd have thought he'd have his own collection somewhere. But yeah, I just would have loved to have had it included on there because it is such a. I think it's quite iconic because I, I, I just because I think this is such a well regarded episode, and I'd like to. I was sort of looking forward to blaring that bit out. Did 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 and imagine <laughs> I was in in Paris, but yeah, it's not to be. Um, I actually talking to music. I, the the Sea Devils was on Horror Channel last night. Have you seen that? Sea Devils, yeah. Oh, don't, you like that music, do you? No, well, I, was it, say. I can't tell what's music and what sound effects. Just it did make me think of you because I was thinking when we get round to reviewing that. <laughs> the music's mad it's completely bonkers it is bonkers I actually did because yeah. um, that's on CD you can get that, that blimmin' music but you can't get City of Death because um, once I had some people around for dinner sounds a bit posh but you know what I mean I had some friends over for a bit of dinner <laughs> and for a joke me and my friend John he said when when we start having the food put the Sea Devil soundtrack on so we had sort of like I don't know say for example we had Sade on or something very easy listed and then I just slipped on the Sea Devil's a uh, bit of music just to sort of see what, how long it took to get a reaction. It took about five seconds before someone <laughs> said, what the blimmin' heck is this? It's very... <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's very experimental. Very. It's the very. phrase, yeah. And some of Dudley's early work's a bit like that. Um, yeah. But oh, I think yeah. by the time we get to the sort of Baker era, he's. I love his scores. I think they, they work really well. I know why you like his scores. Why? Didn't he do all of the Blake 7 um yeah most of them yeah he did apart from um there's one director that refused to work with him so there's two episodes i think dudley simpson did all the blake sevens apart from the two episodes this director worked on who refused to use him and it's the same with doctor who if ever the, i can't think who the director is it might be dougie camfield it is yeah it's dougie isn't it yep. yeah dougie and dougie wouldn't work with him so if there's any doctor who story that uh, dougie's directed after they fell out he wouldn't he wouldn't use him so because Terror of the Zygons has got uh, Jeffrey, oh, I've forgotten his name, different composer. And um, and it's a lovely score, actually. It is quite nice, I think, sometimes when 
you get something a bit different, you know, because it's a bit like Murray Gold, love his music. It would be interesting just to sort of hear someone else have a go at it just to see, hear something a bit different or sometimes think. Yeah, it feels like he's he's just going to be on Who forever, Murray Gold, feels like. Yeah, he'll end up looking like the professor at the end of that when he, get, <laughs> when he, he turns do. into the skeleton with <laughs> the glasses falling off. He will do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so City of Death, I think it's safe to say that we like this one. It's it's a really yeah it's an all round just great fun story I love it yeah let's see what you guys have been saying about it we've got loads here um, loads so there's obviously a lot of love for this um, right um, companions of the doctor um, this would have been a perfect choice to review on your towel day episode but I digress. <laughs> um, of Douglas Adams' contribution to Doctor Who, this remains the jewel in the crown. Witty dialogue, fantastic and very real. Chemistry between Tom Baker and Lala Ward. Paris scenery, overall classic, nine and a half. Nine and a half out of ten jelly babies from Michael. Um, <laughs> Callum MacArthur, love this story. One of the gems from the classic series. Tom Baker and Lala Ward uh, have great chemistry in this. And who could forget the great music? <laughs> Nine out of ten. Um, Stu Gee, arguably the best story of them all. Witty and charming with a simple plot about an alien scatter through time. It's very watchable. And of course, the location helps. A pleasure to watch. Uh, Ma uh, Matthew Gibson Duxbury. I love this episode. I like the setting and the villain a lot. Um, a lot does a series seven part two. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of, sorry, let me start that again. I love this episode. I like the setting and the villain a lot. It also does the series seven part two think a lot of slip people in different times. So much better than series seven part two. And lastly, fun fact, as I think it is a top five for most viewed Doctor Who episodes of all time. He gives it a 10 out of 10. Hmm. Uh, Kai McNamee, a true classic in every sense of the word. Um, a rollickingly enjoyable adventure with a clever plot and villain. Um, the setting of Paris is used brilliantly and really lends a story a more unique look and atmosphere. Um, supporting cast are great, especially in Julian Glover, um, with Baker and Ward fronting the series with a plum. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, Greg Toby, an absolute gem full of um, Adamsian wonder. Also, the soundtrack is amazing. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Michael McGee, I've only watched it once at a friend's, but from what I can remember, it was a fantastic episode. I really did like seeing the Doctor and Romana in France, and it really did help set the episode apart um, from a lot of the other classics around. I also thought the villain was brilliant too. Overall thoughts is that it's a good episode, and I definitely need to pick this one up on DVD. Yes, you do. Yes. Mad Woman with a Box. Uh, I'm one of those who absolutely adores this story. It's not my all-time favourite classic series story, but it is in my top five. Witty, well-written, and an excellent all-round story. Um... Is this um, is the typical thing to expect from Douglas Adams? Ten out of ten, uh, and that was Nerdow. Yes, uh, Jeff Waddle. It's a good one, but not as good as most people say. Uh, Tom at his best, Lala too. Um, but how did um, Scarlionis misses not know he was an alien? Mm -hmm. No doubt this will be a big finish. Um, explicit release. Eight out of ten. P.S. Duggan is great too. Yeah, he is. Devin Baker. Um, wow, just wow. I can see why Wesley doesn't like it, but it's one of my favourites. Who's 10. Wesley? I don't know. Person called Wesley. Wesley? Ben Smith. A brilliant episode with great chemistry from, uh, from Tom and Lala. Um, amazing use of France location filming. Incredibly humorous and well-placed story with a great villain. Although Duggan was two-dimensional... And the scene with him breaking through the wall was cringeworthy. Nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> um, P.S. I was a little harsh last week. Now I would give it three out of ten. You. Three out of ten? For the lodger. Oh, for the lodger. Oh, last good. week, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matt from Who Alex Reviews. I've not seen this story in quite a long time. But from what I remember, I really liked it. From memory, I'd give it a seven or an eight out of ten. But I'm not 100% sure I'll have to watch it. I'll have to give it a rewatch very soon. Um... Would you both say it's worth giving it a rewatch? Yes. Of course, Matt. Will you stop making really good fan films for a minute and just watch some classic Who? Yeah. Blimey, Especially right. Especially this one. Tom Dix. 
Um, you should all know by now that I'm not the biggest fan of the fourth Doctor. However, I love him in this story. A fantastic adventure for both Four and Romana, a true classic. Witty, charming, and a brilliant plot helps to make this one of the greatest Who stories of all time. Cheers, Tom. Uh, Jackson Castillo. Uh, loved this episode. Reminded me how great Tom Baker is as the Doctor and shows that David Agnew is a really clever writer, as well as others who helped out. Uh, you can really tell they made the most out of being able to film in Paris with all the outside shots, which is really cool. Uh, Count Scarlioni has made uh, made for a fantastic villain, and I quite like the music too. This story could be confusing if you don't pay attention, but I'd give it a well-deserved 9 out of 10. Uh, also, just wondering if any of you have read the new book by Douglas Adams. I'm looking forward to reading it. One day. Yes. One day. Yes, one day. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So I haven't read uh, it yet. I've got it. I haven't read it. No. I've just thought actually Big Finish did um a version of Sharda. Oh no, Shard Sharda. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah, anything yeah. on the Geeks page? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Louise from Loopyland. She says she doesn't think she's seen this one. Um and uh, I'd just like to say, Louise, I definitely pick it up. I think she'd love it, don't you? You would, yeah. I think she'd pick really it like it. Um, Callum Johnston, he says it's uh, one of the best of Tom's episodes. Um, it's one of the classic classics from his era. Love the Doctor Romana in this one. I would love to see Doug and make a return. 10 out of 10. Uh, Club Adipose, he says he remembers watching it at the time and his parents picking up on some Doctor Romana flirtatiousness. I don't know. I don't think they do flirt. I think they just, I don't know, they get on very well. Um <laughs> Paula Black, she says it's an absolute favourite Doctor Who story. Um, Paula's a big fan of Tom Chad Bond, I know, because he's also in a Blake 7 episode, which I know Paula loves. Uh, <laughs> she says uh, she loves him as Doug, and he's absolutely amazing and entertaining. Uh, Finn Walsh, and it is pronounced Finn. He's, he's clarified that for me. Uh, it's a good story indeed. 7 out of 10. Mark Fitchew, uh, classic is definitely the word. Always makes me smile whenever I watch it. It does make me smile, I have to say, don't you think? Yeah. Just a really good, yeah. uh, I had such a buzz uh, watching this. Helen Jones, uh, she left some a really fantastic comment, but it's ever so long, so I'm going to cut it down, but do check it out on Geek Sandbag. She says, definitely one of the very best stories of the Tom Baker era. They just look so happy making this story. They do, but uh, watch <laughs> the studio footage, it tells a different story. But yeah, they do. Um, she says she loves the cameos, um, from John Cleese and Eleanor Bron. She says, City of Death is exquisite. Absolutely exquisite. 9.5 out of 10. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, so lots of love. Uh, very little negativity for this one from our listeners, and uh, I concur with that. We do concur. So on to the scores, then. Uh, yeah, before we get on to the score, um, right. this wasn't a... Um, this wasn't a review for the episode, but I'd just like to say thanks to Jonathan McIntyre, um, who sent us in this really cool photo of Tom Baker working on a construction site before oh, yeah. he was cast as the fourth Doctor. Yeah. And what a great photo. He looks completely different as well. He really does. He's got like a cap. No, he's got like a hat on, cigarette hanging out, out of his mouth. I know, he looks totally different, doesn't yeah. he? Cheers, Jonathan. Life, yeah. life was just about to change for him, wasn't it? Indeed. Yeah. Great picture. Yes. <laughs> Our reviews. Um, let's do it. So I think it's... Who's going to go first this week? I think it's me. Uh, okay, go for it. Uh, nine. Nine? Oh, no. You're going to give it a ten, aren't you? No, I've got 9.5. Oh. I nearly gave it a ten. I'm not even sure what I'm knocking the half off for. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly don't. I nearly put ten out of ten because I just absolutely love this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose there's just one or two little little tiny bits that just don't bring it up to 10, but I absolutely love it. Um, 9.5 out of 10 for me. I gave it a 9. I, I was thinking about a 10. I will, must admit, after I finished watching it, I was thinking, wow, that's fantastic and uh, nothing really to complain about. But I did knock a point off because I thought it would have been more worthwhile to cut down on the amount of scenes or the amount of time where uh, the Doctor and Romana are running around to that yeah. very common bit of soundtrack to cut that down a bit and use that time to feature Scaroth as his other selves. Right, yeah, fair time. enough. Um, other than that, though, no complaints. Absolutely brilliant watch. If you haven't seen this one yet, you are missing out. You need to pick it up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are we doing next week? 
next week. It's a tenant, isn't it? A tenant one. Uh, in fact, it's one of his first ones. It's New Earth. New Earth. We're doing next week. Um, yeah, the face of Bo. Be good to see him again. The face of oh yeah, face of Bo. The face of Bo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not watch this one for a while. Hmm. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you know what? I don't think I've. I think this is one of the few tenant ones where I haven't rewatched hardly ever. I think I've seen this twice tops. Ah. I think I've, I've hardly seen this one at all. So. It'll be a good one to watch, I think. That'll be interesting. It will be. So I think we're done, mate. So that was episode 44. Thank you very much for riding along in the TARDIS with us and giving us your thoughts on City of Death. Always much appreciated. And last, so the trivia stuff for last week, we asked you um, who was the only doctor since its first appearance to never use the sonic screwdriver? And the answer is, Adam Colin Baker. Colin Baker, indeed. The sixth doctor, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a slight caveat. He did use a sonic lance. Yes. A couple of times. However, it's not the same as a sonic screwdriver. Mm. So you can all get off my back of Facebook <laughs> and Twitter. Yes, we know it's a lance. It's not a screwdriver. I, I was thinking of um, the Seventh Doctor as well. I was thinking, when did he use it? But of course, he used it at the start of the TV movie, didn't he? He did indeed. Yeah. 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 Which I'd yeah forgotten about. Yeah. So people have got this one right. It's Kieran Knight on Facebook. Thank you very much. Uh, Devin Baker, Michael Ferguson, um, and then on Twitter, um, uh, we had... Cousins? Uh, cousins, yep. He nailed that one. Uh, we had Matt from Who Addicts. <laughs> um, uh, we had... I was going to say the Geek's Handbag then. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I got it right. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. I've got the answer in front of me. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had Peter Adamson, uh, Ryan Anthony, uh, and... Yeah, we said cousins. So, yeah, thank you guys for jumping on and giving us the answer to that one. You clever old lot. You clever lot. Question for this week. Make it, yeah. What were the very first words written in history? Just going to test you a little bit. Mm, I don't... My silence said it all. I don't know the answer to this. So, for next week, what what were the very first words written in history? Hmm. When I tell you the answer next week, it'll be one of those ones you'll be like, of course, of course. It's not once upon a time, is it? No, Uh. no. So anyways, (laughs) jump onto Twitter or Facebook, give us your answer, or just comment um, on the website. Just jump on the comments below the post and put it there, whatever you like. Uh, So, yeah, so talking on the website, just jump over there, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. From there, you can check out all the previous podcasts. You can go off to Twitter and Facebook. And also give us a subscribe on iTunes. That would be very cool. Also remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Loads of cool stuff on there. And um, we are done. Until next time, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't start off right. What? Three, two, one. <laughs> Alonzi! Alonzi!